Trust you found your place. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. And I'll be reading from verse 34 to verse 40. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. And verse number 34. We'll stand as we honor God by the reading of his word. The Bible says, but... When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, thyself rather. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your sacrifice that you made on Calvary's cross so that we could have redemption, life, have it more abundantly. Lord, I pray that You would use your word today to draw men, women, boys, and girls to you. May your love be the motivation by which we live and serve all the days of our lives. And I pray that if there's someone here today who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that you would draw that heart to you and that one would come to you know the joys of sin forgiven. Lord, I pray for every believer that each one would be closer drawn to you for someone who's backslidden, that that one will be restored to fellowship. I pray that you would use your word in a special way, as only you can, to accomplish your will and purpose. And may every decision be made in accordance with what you have to say. Take full control. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Cleanse me of sins. Empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. There's a a local saying that we are familiar with that goes like this. Come see me and come live with me are two very different things. This statement is often made in reference to dating when compared to marriage, but it's not limited to that scenario alone. However, for the purpose of illustration today, I would like to use that statement to highlight a little bit what takes place during the dating period. Because even though we know that Couples are to continually demonstrate their love one for another, whether they are married or whether they are not. I know you would agree with me that somehow it seems like during the dating period, there is a subconscious thought that this is a time where the love for the other person has to be proven. You have to go about to ensure that the other person is convinced that you love them. 
Now, this is particularly true, especially for the male. The guy seems to have the particular burden to distinguish himself through words and actions that he loves her more than the other guys who might be also trying to convince her. History would show that this effort and even the best of efforts to convince the other person that you love them doesn't always prove successful. Because sometimes you might hear those tragic words. I mean, here you are all deeply and madly in love with this person. And you're convincing them. I mean, the whole world could see that you're head over heels. Then you hear those tragic words. I don't love you like that. I heard, oh Lord, I heard the Lord's name is Vern. I heard heard some, some sighs, like some individuals have heard those words before. But when it's all said and done, here's the reality. The one being pursued must believe that the pursuer loves her. By the way, I used some gender-specific pronouns here. Just as a reminder to ladies, don't change the roles. Don't be a pursuer, ladies. However, make yourself pursuable, all right? That's not my message for this morning. It's just, uh, it's free, all right? So the pursuer does a variety of different things that would convince the one that he's pursuing that he loves her. He calls her. He notices her. He writes to her. He listens to her. He helps her. And the list can go on and on. But be assured that if he does nothing, she will not be convinced. It's a natural conclusion to draw. Because love must be demonstrated. You and I, as human beings, we have the wonderful privilege to know on the authority of the word of God, that we are created in the image of God. We have a heart. And I'm not referring to the physical heart. I'm referring to the immaterial heart. That heart that that is comprised of our intellect, what we think, our emotion, what we feel, and our will, what we desire to do, and what we actually do. And I'm here to submit to all of us here today that we can understand a lot of things about the God of the universe based on how we would respond if we were treated a particular way. Just as we use our assessment of one another to determine if that person loves us, we should be able to, and we actually are able to, use a similar criteria to determine if we love God. And my friend, the answer to whether we love God is of vital importance. 
You say, Pastor, why is that really so important? I'm glad you asked. I want to draw your attention to our text that we just read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, where we see this encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were continually asking him questions, somehow trying to trap him, thinking that they could. And the Bible says that in verse number 35, that a lawyer asked him a very important question. Now I understand that it is said that a good lawyer only asks questions that he or she already knows the answer to. But verse 36, this lawyer asks Jesus a question and he says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? The Bible says in verse number 37 that Jesus answered and he said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And in other words, Jesus was saying to this lawyer, he was saying to this man, listen, the most important responsibility that you and I have as human beings is to love God. He says, everything else that you do hinges on your love for God. Now, I wonder if we often think of that as our most important responsibility in our existence. It tells me that so much else of what we do, in fact, everything else that we do is a measuring stick of our love for Almighty God. That's amazing. That's sobering to think. Now, let me say this. Whether you love God, whether I love God, whether we love God, is not based on how much we need him. You would know from experience that when people need something, they love you so much. But often when they get what they need, you can't find them. So let's not mistake our need for God to intervene in our situations as an indicator of whether we love God. Churches are filled with people who need God or need something from God. And so we want to be able to indicate or to test rather, to examine our love for God. Where is it? How do we measure it? How do we test for it? And I want to take some time this morning and over the next several weeks to preach a message series that I've entitled How to Test Your Love for God. How to Test Your Love for God. Now before we get into one measure, if you will, 
one criteria. I want to encourage all of us that this is not one of those messages that you can use somebody else to figure out or you can do the test for somebody else. This test must be done individually. Amen? This criteria must be assessed personally. And so, as we go through these different criterias, which will form the way of a series of questions, I want each and every one of us to examine ourselves to determine how much do we love God? How to test your own love. Given the fact that this is such a most important responsibility for each and every person. Now, this is going to be very practical. And I believe that it's going to make sense because as I've indicated, we know how we feel and we make assessments based on whether a person loves us. So first of all, I want you to jot this down. and This will be our emphasis for today. When it comes to testing your love for God, the first thing we must examine, do you speak with him? I want to draw your attention to Exodus chapter 33. And we'll be looking primarily at this text this morning. And I want us to notice Moses. Moses had a very special relationship with God. In fact, his relationship is one that you can see throughout the book of Exodus was very personal. And I would conclude that Moses had a special love for God that is highlighted throughout this chapter and other chapters because Moses spent time speaking with God. Now, I want you to jot down a few questions that we'll get to. In relation to testing your love for God, do you speak with him? Now, the first thing I want you to note to jot down is now I asked I said do you speak with him and you'll see how this becomes a little clearer but jot down this other question do you talk to him do you talk to him now notice in Exodus chapter 32 which you have a bible because we look at a very uh, a number of verses here very quickly I just want to examine and set the premise that you'll see how Moses developed a special relationship with God, had a special love for God, indicated by the fact that he talked to God. Look at Exodus chapter 32 and verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? We know that this verse uh, is the backdrop to the fact that children of Israel played the fool, corrupted themselves and worshipped this golden calf. Moses is seen here clearly talking with God. Verse number 12, he talks to God of chapter 33. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou hast Thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. 
Look at verse number 15. This is Moses speaking. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, up not hence. In chapter 34, verse 27. Twenty-nine, and the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there, look at this, with the Lord forty days and forty nights. And he did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the ten commandments. He is here speaking with Almighty God. Look at verse number 34. Look at verse number 33 rather. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to do what? Speak with him. Moses spent time because he loved the Lord talking to the Lord. Now it's clear from these verses that Moses did not only talk to God when he needed something. That's very important. That's very critical. That is crucial. Listen, we don't take kindly to someone who does that to us. I mean, they only talk to us. I mean, the only time they pick up the phone and call you. The only time they have a time to say hello is when they need something. We don't take too kindly to that. As a matter of fact, I believe, I would, I would venture to say that we also are mindful that we don't do that to people. If we know that we haven't spoken to somebody in a long time, that's not the person we're going to pick up the phone and ask them for something. Am I right? Some people. I hear you. I mean, how would you feel? A person sees you day after day. You know they saw you. They pretend they didn't see you. They pretend somebody, I mean... I mean, in the supermarket, they, I mean, they're in a different aisle. I mean, somehow they, they just didn't see you. Yes. Pretending. Yes. And you convinced that they saw you. But they conveniently ignore you. Yes. And then all of a sudden, when they need something, they call you. I mean, how are you going to respond to that? My friend... Let's talk to God consistently. Amen? Amen? Talk to God in good times. Talk to God in bad times. Talk to God when you're sad. Talk to God when you're glad. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says to pray without what? Ceasing. In other words, don't stop talking to God. It's not saying 24-7. I don't believe. It's saying 24-7 uh, every second of every day you ought to be praying, but it's saying to speak to God regularly. Don't let your prayers be only about what you want. You think about it. What are we saying to God when as members of churches and attendees of churches. The time that is set aside every week to meet as a family is treated as the service of least importance. What are we really saying to God when we treat Sunday morning as the grade A service, Sunday evening as the grade B, 
And the time set aside to talk to God as a family with a no. Scrap that. Is God convinced about our love for him? The question this morning, do you talk to him? The second question I want to ask you, do you listen to him? Do you listen to what God is saying? Look back at Exodus chapter 33. And God is now speaking to Moses. In verse number one, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up hence, and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God is speaking to Moses. Look at verse number 12. Once again, God is speaking. Verse number 12 indicates that Moses was listening to God because he responded directly and appropriately to what God had said. We know that in speaking with someone, it is a two-way street. It means that there is speaking and there is listening. We would have a hard time convincing someone of our love for them if we never listened to them. We cut them off. We silence them. We ridicule what they say. We make statements like, that was so dumb. I mean, that makes no sense. When they're talking, we get up and walk off on them. Can you imagine that? That would be the ultimate sign of disrespect. Yet, my friends, sadly, in churches, in the name of God, we have individuals who blatantly disrespect the word of God when it is preached. In churches, and even in this one, when the word of God is preached, I mean, you have individuals who intentionally distract themselves so as not to hear what God is saying. Ignore it. Dismiss it as rubbish. Nonsense. Showing their disapproval of what God is saying through his word. My friend, when it comes to determining whether we love God, the question is, do you listen attentively to what God is saying? If you're a parent of children, I'm sure you would agree that there are times where you give your children an instruction And whether it is that they're distracted by the computer, by video games, by something else, by music. I mean, you are talking and their focus is someplace else. And the amazing thing is, they say, yes, yes, yes. But they haven't heard one word you said. Why? They weren't listening. How often do we treat God like that? 
God, yes, 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 yes. What you said? When it comes to determining our love for God, do you listen to him? Do you talk to him? But here's something that goes a little further by way of a question. Do you enjoy talking to God? Do you enjoy? I want to draw your attention to Moses and the special relationship that he had with God. Now, look at verse number 7. And the Bible says in the middle of the verse, And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. Now, here it is that these people, children of Israel, were about to intercede uh, to God so that God's wrath would not be poured out on them. And a number of different people came out of their, their, their own tent to go to the tabernacle to see God. But when Moses went, there was something different. You know what the, what the children of Israel understood and knew? That Moses enjoyed talking with God. And so they stopped what they were doing to pay attention, to look, to see what would happen. You've ever been approached by, by someone who figures or assumed maybe rightly so that you have a good relationship with an individual and so rather than approach that individual on their own they ask you can you ask so and so to do so and so for me because they are aware of the nature of the relationship that exists between you and that individual. The, the children of Israel uh, knew that Moses enjoyed talking to the Lord. And so they paid attention to see what would happen when he did. When you're talking to God, do you consider it a privilege that you get the opportunity to talk to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Does it bring comfort and joy to your heart? I get to talk to God today. Or is it punching the clock? Well, they say I should pray, so here goes God. All right, I got it in. Do you enjoy talking to God? Well, here's another question. Do you enjoy listening to him? But we're not just talking about listening. Because you could listen to someone talk and it's like drudgery. You could listen to someone talk and it feels like scratching your, their nails on a wall. Do you enjoy listening to him? Now, here's a corresponding question that in my mind goes together. Do you enjoy listening to him, but does God enjoy talking to you? Now look at verse number 9, and there's something very interesting that stuck out to me. I mean, it jumped off the page. Because 
I firmly believe an indicator of whether we enjoy listening to God is shown by whether God enjoys talking to us. Now look at verse number 9. Notice. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. Hallelujah! I mean you to tell me that a human being will endeavor to go and talk with God and God the God of the universe says hey Moses is coming to talk to me. I got to go and meet Moses right there. God enjoyed talking to Moses. That he changed his location to meet him. You know what that tells me? Moses enjoyed listening to God. Wow. God makes an adjustment to talk to Moses. God enjoyed talking to him. The question for us is this. Do you enjoy listening to God? Do you take pleasure in coming to church to hear from God? Or is the preaching of the word of God like a necessary part of the service that you would rather avoid? I'm not asking these questions to be negative. I'm asking these questions for us to evaluate what we love and who we truly love. My friend, I mean, if we examine ourselves, it would bring us to some sobering realizations. Listen, we can sit down at a ball game for three hours and four hours and five hours. I mean, I'm being enthusiastic. And then we want the preacher to preach sermonettes for five minutes. What are we saying to God? How often do we want to put God on a timer? Do you enjoy listening to him? Here's another question. As it relates to speaking with God, do you tell him that you love him? Look at Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a a psalm that was penned by Moses himself. Psalm 91 and verse 14. Moses speaking of his love for God. And this is in this psalm, God himself in this particular verse speaking of Moses' love for him. Look at verse number 14. He says, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he hath known my name. How did God know that Moses loved him? I can assure you, Moses told God he loved him. Now he didn't just tell him, but he showed him. How many of you would be convinced that somebody loves you and they never ever tell you? 
Not even one time. Don't be like the husband who told the wife after she complained and said, you never ever tell me I love you. He said, I told you when we got married and if anything changes after that, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's not going to get you very far. But do you tell God that you love him? You know what's important about telling somebody that you love them? You're required to back it up. But don't be afraid when you're praying, God, I love you. Tell him. Tell him and mean it. Tell him and back it up. Do you tell him that you love him? Here's another question. Do you tell him what you appreciate about him? Look back at Exodus chapter 33, and I want you to notice, this is a real intimate conversation that's taking place between Moses and God. I trust you'll take some time to read it, because we don't have time to look at all these verses in understanding the context and the back and forth uh, between this communication between God and Moses. But understand the background here, that God is saying to Moses, Moses, I'm sick and fed up of the rebellion of the stiff-necked people, Israel. And God ultimately was saying to Moses, I'm not going to go up with you all. I'm going to send an angel because I can't deal with this rebellion. Look at verse number 15. Moses is saying to God, God, I need you. I appreciate you. Look at what he says in verse number 15. This is Moses speaking. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For therein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. What Moses was saying to God, God, I love you. I'm not going without you. I need you. I appreciate you. Your presence is essential. It is integral to me going anywhere. God, I love you and I appreciate you. Moses took time to express what he appreciated about God. How much time do you take to tell the Lord the specifics of why you love him? There's something about hearing the specifics from a person who claims that they love you. Am I right? I mean, this is just where we are. That's how we function. Don't you think that God wants to hear that from us? And when we don't, I fear it indicates that we are taking him for granted. You know what I'm, I've found out and I think I've safely concluded? And I'm not excluding myself from being guilty, but I think it's a human nature thing that taking things for granted happens in relationships after things are done over and over. The things that were once wonderful after they repeated over and over, what happens? They become normal. 
So, so they lose their value. We take for granted those things that, 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 that are still significant, but we're so accustomed that eh, that's not a big deal. Aren't we guilty of taking what God does for us over and over for granted? We wake up in the morning in our right minds, in good health and strength, and all we can do is complain, not realizing we got brand new mercies. Because we are accustomed to getting these mercies every day, so after a while, it's no big deal. And we forget to take the time to say, God, I really appreciate what you've done. I appreciate the life you've given. I appreciate the strength. I appreciate my family. I appreciate my children. I appreciate salvation. I appreciate my church. I appreciate my country. I appreciate these things that so many don't have, but you've blessed me with them. Don't let the passing of time and the consistency, the consistency of what God does cause you to be no longer appreciative of what he does. Enumerate these things to God. He'll cause you to love him more. Well, here's the final two questions I want to ask of us today. As it relates to speaking with God. I'm talking about a one-way conversation. But an indicator of our love is demonstrated by this question. Are you comfortable making requests of him? Now, in this passage that we read, notice Moses after God indicates, I'm not going up with you. Moses ventures to ask God to intervene. Ask God for grace. Look at verse number 12. Moses said, See thou sayest to me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Moses was saying to God, God, because of the kind of relationship that we have, I am comfortable asking you for what I need. I'm comfortable depending on him. I'm comfortable trusting him. For the sake of time, we won't turn back there, but Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, Moses says, God, I've dwelt in the secret place with you. As a result, I'm going to abide under the shadow of your wings. I'm comfortable trusting you. Why? Because I love you. You know, if you're in a relationship and it's just not good, you're not going to be comfortable asking and making what would appear to be bold requests. But notice, finally, by way of question, 
Is God comfortable making requests of you? That may sound a strange question to come from God. But God also assesses the nature of the relationship he has with us. In Exodus chapter 34, notice that God makes a request of Moses. And he says in verse number 1 of chapter 34, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let all the flocks or herds be before that mount. God was comfortable requesting of Moses that something be done. God's comfort level in speaking to you is an indication of our love for him. History will prove that God often calls to greater service those who are already serving him. You say, what does that have to do with love? God says, you've proven yourself in a few things. I will elevate you to be in charge of greater things because I've seen your love and your devotion to me. The question for today is, in relation to testing your love for God, do you speak with him? It's hard to convince someone that you love them and you never speak with them. Do you talk with him? Do you listen to him? Do you enjoy the interaction? Do you tell him what you love about him? Do you tell him that you love him? Are you comfortable requesting something of him? Is he comfortable requesting something of you? These are sobering questions to ponder. And I trust that each and every one of us would do a self-evaluation of our love for the Lord. After all, it's our number one responsibility. Everything else that we do ought to be fueled by our love for the Lord. It's the purest motive for doing what we do. Let's test our love. And if we're not happy with the results, let's do something about it. And I promise you, as your love for the Lord increases, you will see amazing transformation 
in your life. And it will be noticeable to those around. Because when we love the Lord, we're going to love other people.